Hi, fellow Muppet fans, and welcome to Movin' Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. This is the podcast where we watch the Muppets take Manhattan two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Ryan Rowe. I'm your other host, Anthony Strand. And this week we have a return guest. Uh, he was with us for the Muppet movie, and now he's back with us for this one. Guest, please introduce yourself. Hello, I am Max Jessup. I would say you might know me as sort of an internet personality among Muppet fans and movie fans on Twitter and Instagram, but I'm an aspiring writer, and I also host a podcast called The Exhibition Podcast. So that's, that's me. Very good. We'll, we'll put a link to your podcast in the show notes. But yes, a fellow Muppet nerd. So uh, thanks for joining us. It's great to be here. It's great to talk about Muppet movies. It's the, my favorite topic. <laughs> Ours too. And uh, too, today, man. our topic is minutes 85 and 86 of The Muppets Take Manhattan, in which uh, somebody's getting married on stage oh. in Manhattan Melodies. Hmm. Somebody's getting married? That's what somebody's I hear. Somebody's getting married! <laughs> so uh, we do hear a lot of the song um, in this clip, which I I'm sure we'll get to some of the specific lyrics uh, as we go through this, because there's a lot happening in this clip. But do either of you have any just sort of general thoughts about the song, Somebody's Getting Married? It's a general, good song. I like it. It's catchy. I think it's I for oh, it's probably my favorite song in the movie. Hmm. It's might be it's between that and can't take no for an answer but like there's just a lot of it, it's just very bouncy and fun and it like really it's a great finale song i really enjoy it i don't know yeah well it works really well for this where like there's so many characters on stage and it's just sort of like it, like bounced around as you say it's bouncy but it's bounced around between all the characters who are on stage they they each take a line here and there well, I think that the, like, the uh, as we all know, and our listeners probably all know, the song is going to slow down and become the he'll make me happy thing soon. Right. And I, I don't think that the emotion of the slower stuff in the finale works unless we get this, like, bouncy, muppety, like, silly fun number yeah. first, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you have to have something to as a contrast to the more emotional thing that's going to happen a little later. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I would also say it's the perfect sort of like conclusion to this movie specifically because it like it's kind of like showing us kind of everything we saw, not only in like obviously there are references to kind of like what's been going on in the plot, of course, the the culmination with the wedding, that's the whole point of it all. But uh I feel like for this to be Muppets Take Manhattan and for this to be the New York film, you know, it's being very signature Muppet in that, you know, it's bouncing around to all these different characters. But at the same point in time, it's trying to be a, you know, like a New York Broadway, sh like classic old time show tune sort of vibe. And I think yeah, it works in sure. that regard. Yeah, it's actually, I guess, a little bit like a closing number from the Muppet show that way, where it's just a bunch of Muppets on a stage. But in this one, they're in New York instead of on stage at the Muppet Theater. Right, which which is sometimes in New York, right? Isn't there isn't well, isn't there some continuity? Isn't it in New York in 
Uh, it's a Kermity Crummity Christmas movie, isn't it? The, it's like it's a 9/11 Christmas one? movie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's a 9/11 Christmas movie. Yeah. Yikes. Um, because it's because it well because it's explicitly London in Muppets Go to the Movies, explicitly mm-hmm, right. New York in that one, and explicitly Los, Los Angeles in the 2011. Yeah. So, so, so it's wherever it's the writers want it to be in that moment. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, there there's some additional evidence on the Muppet Wiki page for the Muppet Theater, so you you can uh, seek that out if you're interested in that. I have a theory that just popped into my head right now. Is Manhattan Melodies, is it, well, is Muppets Take Manhattan a prequel, a sort of prequel to a version in this universe to the Muppet show? Is Manhattan Melodies a proto Muppet show for these versions of Kermit and Piggy in them? Uh, I guess yeah, there I could be so. like yeah, there could be a reality where these guys all went to college together, and then they met some of these other characters, and then they they got a TV show or a vaudeville show or whatever it is. Yeah, because it's like this is the beginning of like this could be oh this got really popular. Let's do this as an ongoing review, and then they they just right. start to do that. Yeah, I mean, in which case the whole Muppet movie story of like Kermit going on a road trip and picking them all up one by one that never happened. But the, the alternate Muppets Take Manhattan, yeah, universe that is set in New yeah. York. Yeah, it's right, like the right. like the the DC comics like Earth One, Earth Two, Earth whatever the different versions of reality with the same characters, right? Right, or if you will, it's like the 2009 Star Trek movie, where yes. like mm. the characters were all born at different times and stuff, because Captain Kirk's dad <laughs> died in a in an in an attack by the Romulans. Right. So both the versions Muppet. of reality happened, but they're, they both they're ex- different they, versions of reality. Right, and Dave Goals as Gonzo is a Leonard Nimoy as Spock because he's in <laughs> he's in he's all in versions of reality. <laughs> yes, I, I love like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad we settled that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so, yes, um, we pick up uh, at the beginning of this clip with this little dog played by Richard Hunt, who's spreading the exciting gossip that he just heard to a bear doorman played by Dave Goles. And that is somebody's getting married. The bear spreads the word. Uh, then we see these dog construction workers popping out of the sewer. They're also excited about the news. Can, can we talk about the fact that the dogs... Um, like the the gate around their their manhole that they're working on says caution dogs at work dig we must yes uh so i have seen i, I so anthony I, I know you uh you have read mad magazine um in your life yes i, I, have Max, read I don't mad know if magazine, you're yes. i don't know if you're a mad magazine fan i i appreciate it from afar i haven't dug into it as so, much as my colleagues sure yeah well i mean you like it's that that's one of those things that might be an age thing because like by the time you were born mad magazine was in color and had advertisements oh yeah which which happened in like 1991 or something you know well so like when you're when you're young and you read mad there are a lot of references and things that go over your head because like they weren't just writing two kids or four kids and i remember seeing a few times, like these, just these little gags and references in the background of, of panels. Um, one of them was this thing, dig, we must. And I never knew what it meant. I specifically, one example I remember is in the movie parody of Indiana Jones and the last crusade, which I should have looked up to see what the, what the mad magazine title was. I think it was in banana Jones, 
and some like oh in banana jones and his last crude days i think was it <laughs> but anyway <laughs> there's a scene where they're like digging under the library to find the the hidden passage or whatever and in that mad parody there's a sign that says dig we must and i didn't know what it meant and here it is in this movie and i still didn't know what it meant so i looked this up um I found the most helpful thing I found on the internet was a comment on a Substack uh, by a user named Sven Yargs. So thank you to Sven Yargs. <laughs> and this comes from uh, a campaign by Con Edison, which is the electric company in New York City. In the 1950s, they would put up these signs uh, featuring the slogan, Dig We Must for a Better New York when they had to like block off traffic or otherwise oh. cause inconvenience to, uh, you know, cars or pedestrians. So it's basically like, we know we're in the way, but we have to do this to improve everyone's lives. So I guess it just stuck with New Yorkers that way. Like, I mean, it's, right. it means it's yeah. a successful campaign. So um, that is why the barricade where the dog construction workers are says, dig, we must. Dig we it's must, not a huh? Uh, it's a not a barricade. It's a dogcade. You have to be correct. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. No, Christine, that's a dogcade. Barricades wear hats. Right. <laughs> oh boy. So uh, <laughs> then this this fire truck goes by full of dogs and chickens. That's fun. New uh, Zealand is at a fish stand. He sings the line, somebody's getting married. Uh, there's a bunch of fish all laid out on the stand, but remarkably, they do not sing along. Seems like a little bit of yeah, a I wonder, missed opportunity. So we, that actually made me think, do we think Lou's fish are dead? Like, well, is he throwing live fish? He talks to them. He does talk to them, that's true. So maybe they are alive. They tend to be, the fish that Lou throws do tend to appear more like real fish than like they don't look like Muppet fish usually. Right. Right. I think so, I've seen like photo puppet, uh, like Viewmaster slides of like him throwing. Yeah. Where they have like a, okay. yeah, they have like a smiling, like yeah. fish. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I generally see him with very, uh, pale limp fish. Yeah. It is a weird, like, that, yeah. that does make it even weirder than if, he is throwing dead fish, but naming them and speaking to them as he throws them. <laughs> that I just always, this. I just always considered New Zealand's just like a crazy guy. Like he's yes, just yeah, sure. Like he's like off in the head. Like in a di in a way different from even Crazy Harry. He's just oh, yeah. like he's got he's got his own weird stuff going on in there. And yeah, like, we don't give that enough credit. Yeah, he's one of the weirdest Muppets. And I, like, I really, I, yeah, I don't want to know more about that. I don't want to know, I don't want them to ever to, like, try to do a, a psychological uh, deep dive on <laughs> New Zealand. Let's just, <laughs> let's just let him be the weirdest. The Muppets right. from space of New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right, no, right. no, thank you. <laughs> uh, we also see Bill, Gill, and Jill, the frogs, walk by. I want to mention something that was brought to our attention by a number of listeners, which we failed to mention in previous episodes. We did talk about the fact that these frogs have hair and they wear clothes, which Muppet frogs usually do not. But we didn't mention that Bill has ears and the other frogs okay. don't have ears. People went crazy. Yes. They, like, 
like our listeners, we appreciate you. We're glad that you, you know, keep us on our toes and all this. But I had no idea people were so passionate about Bill's ears. Like we had multiple listeners tell us that like they've been shook about Bill's ears yeah. their whole life. Well, they, I think they were surprised because this is supposed to be serious. the podcast that like pays attention to the minutia of this movie, and somehow we we all failed to notice. You know, like you and me and our guests on those episodes failed to to notice or mention that Bill the Frog has ears. Right. So the most most new most shirt frogs still has ears. Yeah. <laughs> oh, should we make merchandise? Because when I yeah. was on when I was on, I suggested like the, the Frank Oz cameo shirt, and I think y'all made that a thing. Someone made that a thing briefly. It was like oh, I don't know. Waka Waka with the with the um uh, like Frank Oz biker yeah. stash. Yeah, so, <laughs> so now my yeah, contribution crazy. to the the Muppet movie zeitgeist is Bill has ears. I would consider Bill that. Bill has ears. Yeah. Yeah. If we it. could get like one of our Muppet artist friends to to draw like a like an abstract version of, of Bill that wouldn't be encroaching on the copyright. <laughs> the, being specific about him having ears. Can't like he has ears. Right. Yes. That's because then we will never forget again. Well, no, That's I certainly thing. won't. And the I, masses will be satisfied. I still don't remember which one is Steve Whitmire and which one is Dave Goals, but I'll never forget that Bill is the one who has ears. <laughs> Bill, Bill is Dave Goals, and okay. Bill is Steve Whitmire. Thank you. And 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 here's why I'm certain of. Here's why I always remember because I can hear Steve Whitmire in my head saying something from the grill, Jill, and she says, "Meat makes me ill, Gil." Oh. That's that's why I remember. <laughs> okay, I'll try to keep that in my head as yeah. well. <laughs> These mnemonic phrases to help remember Muppets Tank Manhattan minutia. Yeah, important yeah, things. Like, yeah, which frog <laughs> yeah. is which? which? Which one is Bill and which one is Bill? <laughs> the frogs uh, and Lucy Ellen look up to see Rizzo and Tatooie fly across the stage in this little plane with a pink propeller. They're also singing Somebody's Getting Married. It's very cute. Um, I just like the, the look of all this scenery. And they're presumably radio controlled, right? Like, yeah. Oh, they're just moving their uh, mouths while they're flying in an airplane. I don't think there's puppeteers under there. I don't see how there could be. Yeah, no, I didn't even really think about that. But it's, yeah, I don't think there's enough room for there to be puppeteers there. So, right. yeah. Uh, and also, yeah, those puppets, the way their mouths move, like, I feel like that would be a little less noticeable. Because they have those little yeah. trigger mouths. It would be less noticeable than, say, when, when Kermit suddenly becomes a radio-controlled puppet. Or Gonzo right. or Piggy, yeah. Yeah, Happiness Hotel. That sounds great. Right when they're in the crates in the the pond. Yeah, great Muppet caper. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Then a bear with her hair in curlers. Uh, We see her singing out her window. Uh, She sings, "Somebody's getting married," which is very nice uh, singing (laughs) voice on that bear. There's some dogs singing along, including Ralph, who puts on a top hat as he uh, dances by. He looks looks very nice in that top hat. Uh, this bear has a bright pink flower in her flower pot, um, uh, in a flower pot on her windowsill, which sort of reminded me uh, of those novelty flowers that used to be popular, where you would put batteries in them and turn them on and you would like play music and the flowers would kind of dance around in their pods. Do either of you remember that at all? I I remember that. I kind of remember that. I'm mostly just familiar with like the solar ones you'd put on and they just dance. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
I don't think it is one of those, but just something about the design of this bright colored flower yeah. in a pot but, reminded but, me of that. But by the way, you keep saying this bear, but that's Beth. That's Beth oh, Bear that's this whole time. Beth? It doesn't <laughs> sound like Beth when she sings. And also Beth didn't have hair like this before. But 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 that's the same puppet though. Okay, okay. We have to assume that. Yes, thank you for clarifying like, that. Because this is just like her in hair and makeup. Well, whose voice is this? Uh, it's I, I I would guess it's Bruce Edward Hall. Like I don't huh. know why it wouldn't. I don't know. know. It's a very it's it's a high note, but uh, good for but, him and, if it and, is. And, and actually, I'm checking Muppet Wiki now to see if they like discuss this at all. They don't, but the picture of Beth in the in the like little profile thing is Beth in that window with oh the wow. Flower. Okay, well, I'm very glad you said that. Uh, yeah, because yeah, like. In my head, it sounds like Louise Gold, but she didn't even work on this movie, did she? She worked on the movie. I, no, she did not. Yeah. I think it must be Bruce Edward Hall, since, huh. since he's credited as Beth. He wow. plays Beth earlier. Yeah, I don't know he's... why he, why it wouldn't be him. No, right. okay, he's he's very versatile with voices. Then, uh, then, uh, well, anything else before we move on to the the next appearance of the next characters? I don't. All right, Kermit, Gonzo, and Scooter dance onto the screen, and they are singing "Somebody, Somebody, Somebody, said, Somebody, Somebody, sorry, somebody, Ryan, somebody, Somebody." Ryan, yes, you said Kermit, Gonzo, and Scooter. Is that not who it is? And it's Kermit, Fozzie, and Scooter. No, it's Kermit, no. Gonzo, and Scooter. It is you, no because Fozzie's no because here's what happens. Right, it's hilarious. They they're well. First of all, they're all wearing these great sweaters and sweater vests that I like uh, a lot. Um, they yeah. go to a tuxedo shop, like they they dance in front of a tuxedo shop, and in the background we see Fozzie like peering outside the oh, window yeah, yeah, right. from inside the tuxedo shop, like he's, right. yeah, like, yeah, he's yeah. like locked in there or whatever, and he's he's just very curious about what his friends are doing outside the tuxedo shop. Yeah, right, right, right. I don't know. I don't know what I'm thinking of. I don't know why I'm. I'm well, not looking at the movie right now. Oh, sure, but and I don't know why they did it that way because then the, like the door of the tuxedo shop magically opens and then Fozzie just joins the gang. Um, right. I, maybe yeah. he was just too big to fit in the frame with these other three puppets. Cause Fozzie's a little bigger than these other guys. Much bigger. Yeah. Yeah. That's Cause true. when we see piggy, she is also joined by four of her friends, but her friends are smaller puppets. So that's all I can. That's my <laughs> right. best theory. But uh, yeah, so they go into this tuxedo shop. Uh, there's a penguin working in there because, of course, there is. Which is, it's great to see that one of the penguins got a job as a tailor <laughs> after Pete threw them all out. Yes. yes. I mean, he, they excused him for living. And, you know, <laughs> and now, but it also, it's also like a little imperceptible pun just because, you know, it's a penguin. In his suit. Right, yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. Yes, yeah. that's the you can't yeah. pass up that that gag. That's especially. a great gag. Yeah, exactly. Uh yeah. so yeah, the everybody can sing, continues singing this song when they get to the line, cause somebody's getting married today. Uh all of these mannequins and bow ties on the wall of the shop dance along to uh so, the song, which is a nice gag. So let's talk about this. Yeah. Like in in real life, we know that they can just build a puppet for whatever, right? But in universe, in this movie, everyone on stage is Kermit and Piggy's friends from college, or someone that they met 
on their uh, different adventures, right. right? As far as we know, which means that someone brought with them to the theater from one of their adventures some living mannequins and clothes <laughs> to appear in this scene. I guess so, yeah. I, right? Well, I'm going to assume that it was Jenny that she befriended these living clothes oh. at her, you know, fashion institute. Fesh, at, at her fashion design program. Yes. Yeah. Or, or may, here's a thought. Maybe it's the penguin. Maybe it is the penguin because like be. he has the connection oh. through the through the shop, and maybe he legitimately got a tailor job. This is mirroring real life. And he's yeah. like, I have these mannequin friends. I don't know. Right. I, I, yeah. I just think also, there's something to that. Maybe it's maybe it's Nicky Napoleon. I have no clue. <laughs> it's who? Or Nicky Napoleon, the uh, the penguin conductor. Um, oh, is that from? That's from, that from Little Muppet Monsters Muppet Vision 3D. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. <laughs> awesome. Same I thought it was no. Muppet Vision 3D, but I didn't want to say Same it. Wrong. Yeah. If it's Muppets, Little Muppet Monster, yeah, that was like just about to happen. Yeah, so that's, that's true. Really yeah. Little Muppet Monster fame. Um, and, but but also another theory, throwing out another theory, Miss Piggy briefly worked at Bergdorf Goodman. So True, true. Maybe she picked him up there, you know? Yeah, you know, and the way we, they're arranged, yeah, like, I mean, they, they look like they're on the Joan shelf Rivers. in a store. Oh, like a deleted scene where her and Joan Rivers go and meet mannequins. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Why not? Yeah, mm, they just introduce sure. themselves. Yeah. All of these things are possible. Any of these things are possible. Um, uh, and unlikely, <laughs> but anything's possible. Uh, I, I do, it, it reminds me though of the, the TV show, uh, today's special, which I want to say was Canadian, but it's one of those shows that people always, people my age always talk about when they start talking about like nostalgia for childhood TV shows because there was, a mannequin on that show who would come to life after hours when somebody would put a hat on it. So maybe there's something like that, right. some sort of enchantment like that happening here. Uh, yeah. This also reminded me um, in an interview with the museum of the moving image last year, Frank Oz said that this sequence really prepared him for his next movie, which was little shop of horrors, uh, a musical. Because it just kind of helped him learn how to shoot and edit on the beat of a song, which is oh, you, you can huh. really see that in this yeah like this this whole sequence, um, which is really valuable too. Because by 1984, not a lot of musicals getting made, so he kind of right yeah very yeah, few. You can see why he was uh, on their list to direct Little Shop of Horrors. And so now it is the ladies' turn. We see Piggy flanked by Janice and then also by Camilla and by Yolanda, who didn't exist before this movie because there are not enough female Muppets. So this is what (laughs) Piggy has to, these are the only Muppets who are available to be her, her girlfriends. Uh, They go into a bridal shop and Jill is working there. You know who really should be one of Miss Piggy's entourage? Uh, Hilda? Miss Mousy. But yeah, Hilda too. Miss Mousy. Mildred Huxtetter? Yes, exactly. That's the Man. crew, right? Mildred, Hilda, Miss Mousy. I would have loved to that see Mildred. Movie. If they could, they could yeah. have introduced Mildred earlier in the movie at somebody's job, like in one of the postcard sequences, and then brought her back oh, here. Yeah, yeah. I really all wish they would. The of all the, you know, we may, we we joke a lot about like, oh, they should bring back this old obscure character, but I really think there's some potential with Mildred. There's something yeah. there. 
There's something there. Well, Mil- Mildred was such a, I mean, uh, continuing on this tangent, Mildred was such a strange character because she never had a consistent performer. Well, that's true, one. yes. She's played by everyone. She's Richard Hunt. She's Aaron Oscar. She's yeah. Dave Gold. I think Frank Oz, like when she's dancing with George, right? In, yeah, like, in the At The Dance sketches on the first season of The Muppet Show, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. So it's just, she. I mean, I, I think if they had like let someone really develop that character, given right. her to Louise Gold in season two or something. Yeah, they should have. Yeah. Well, you and know? Hilda too, though. Hilda had a real personality and a real role on the show, but then her yeah, performer I, Hilda, left. I think so. a, yeah, Hilda, I think, was a pretty great character. Yeah, yeah, she you was know? good. Bring back Hilda. <laughs> That's right. Next next Muppet project. Muppets now, now with Hilda. Please. <laughs> they already have a puppet for Mildred though. I think like that's that's an easy fast track. I think I think if they were to do like Muppets 2015 today, I think, you know, like she would make a great like front desk character. Sure. Sure, yeah. 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 And she just com- com- witty comments everything happening. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, because she was in Muppets Most Wanted, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's a, a, so. a relatively current build of the Mildred puppet that they could use. Yeah. yeah. Cool. They definitely should. Um, so, yes, Piggy and her friends go into this bridal shop. Jill is working there. Um, oh, everyone's kind of wearing a lot of little polka dots uh just everyone in this sequence is so nicely dressed i love kermit and his friends in their little sweaters uh i love the, yeah i really uh, i really i really like that preppy look that kermit and yeah and scooter in the gang have yeah and all the polka dots on on piggy and her friends janice is wearing this little blue polka dot dress which is not the kind of thing we usually see her wear but it it's working for her uh <laughs> piggy has the line in the song somebody get a sweet negligee which is about as adult as this, you know, it, it's the closest we get to acknowledging the intimacy of Kermit and Piggy's wedding night. That will, that will. Right. Happen. Right. Well, I was, I was watching these, uh, I, as I've mentioned on the show often, I was watching this one again with my kids over and over. And Iris asked me what a sweet negligee was. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, it's a nightgown. It's kind of like, uh, yeah. Like an like kind of like an underwear nightgown. Yeah, she was she was like, oh okay, you know. So, oh, so she I mean, didn't ask like, oh why does Piggy want a sweet negligee? Yeah, I think I think Iris loves nightgowns, you know. Right. Like she's six years old, so she wasn't, you know. Piggy wants a nightgown. Sure, of course she does. Yeah, why who wouldn't she? want a fancy nightgown? He wants a sweet one, like cool. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> hey, dude, sweet negligee. <laughs> right. Uh, and then when they get to that line, somebody's getting married today, the dresses in the shop all come to life and sing. So again, these must be, uh, you know, they must have come in and joined the cast along with the uh, the, the tuxedos, uh, right? And, and and we should mention we know from a previous episode that our former guest Tim De Haas was one of those dresses. Oh yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Did he? I don't remember. Was there any specific anecdote there, or just that he? Remembered? Uh, I list. Listeners will remember whatever story he told about that on yeah. our previous episode. <laughs> or if you don't, um, go back and think, listen to that episode I think, again. I think he just mentioned it as one of the things that he did. In the yeah. 
What a fun thing to be able to watch this movie and point to one of the dresses and say, hey, that's me. Right, for sure. Yeah. Uh, there is then the next thing we see a bakery shop with wedding cakes everywhere. And there's a big sign in the back that, that says wedding cakes are specialty. So we know that this is a store where they're going to buy wedding cake. The Swedish chef is working there, which makes me wonder, you know, he, he joined this production uh, when he showed up with Scooter. So who was going to play this role of the baker before the Swedish chef uh, came along? Yeah. Good question. Probably Floyd. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Floyd would be a, a very hip baker. Yeah, sure. But that would be fun to see. Uh, Kermit and his uh, his bros here come in uh, to the uh, in the door on stage left while Piggy and her gal pals enter the other door of the bakery stage right. Kermit and Piggy are trying to get a, a look at each other. But, of course, there's this superstition that the bride and groom should not see each other before the ceremony on the wedding day. So their friends all push them out the door. Uh, I, I, if it had occurred to me, I would have looked up where the superstition came from, but I did not. Max, you have something? They're both being pushed out. Who's going to get the cake? Yeah, that's a really good question. <laughs> good question. <laughs> I mean, they're preparing it. Swedish Chef, like knows what's up you know he's got the kermit and piggy like stands on the little uh right figures for the cake so he there the order's been made but like they're both coming there to pick up the cake and now there's like no one to attend for their friends are going to prevent them from yeah that's that's a great question uh i mean yeah they might just not have a cake at their wedding (laughs) Can't trust your yeah. friends to get let you get cake. Yeah, they really should have planned all this out better. But uh, this, the Swedish chef uh, leads a chorus of cakes on the back wall and singing, "Somebody get this wedding underway." I and I just specifically remember as a kid being fascinated by all these singing cakes. I guess I had never seen you know. There's that one uh, Swedish chef sketch on the Muppet Show where he is like trying to frost a a cake that starts yelling at him in Japanese. I don't think I had seen that before. So something about this, like all these cakes just start singing. There was just something very uh, fascinating about that to me as a a kid. Sure. Uh, And then yes, what's that? I just said Muppet food, man. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Then uh, the chef puts a lovely Kermit and piggy cake topper on. I'm sure a lot of Muppet fans have had, some sort of representations of uh, Kermit and Piggy on their wedding cakes. Well, that's actually that's actually another thing that I was watching this with my six year old daughter Iris. Like I said, she was like baffled by this. Oh, by the by the idea that I actually got a recording of it. We can, we can insert it into the show. Okay. Um, t- just talking about how like she is amazed that the Swedish chef had a cake topper of these two people who aren't even married yet. What did you want to say about that cake topper? How? Where did he get that? He can't just get that at the grocery store. When you say he, you mean the Swedish chef? Yeah. And why can't he get it at the grocery store? Because it's a certain one. You can't just buy the certain person. They haven't even gotten married. No one even knew that they would get married. Kermit and Piggy. So why would there be a cake topper? Because no one knew they were getting married? That's what you mean? Yeah. You know what? That's a really good point. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
that's the I guess either the like the fantasy world of the Muppets take Manhattan or the fantasy world of Manhattan Melodies, where yes, you can just order a cake topper that looks exactly like you. Whereas, like, is Iris familiar with the concept of cake toppers in general of these little figures? Sure. That look like well, people. Yes, she is. Well, our and I, I know I've mentioned this on the show. Um, our cake topper was the Palisades Gonzo and Camilla, mm. and so we have still sitting in our windowsill by our kitchen sink a photo of that on top of our cake, just like a little, like you know, two by three photo. Yeah. So like. As far as like, that's like the main cake topper she's ever seen before, okay. but that's in real life. That's not like, you know, we didn't get a, we don't have a cake topper of me and Raz sitting right, right. In, our, in our kitchen, you know. I would also like to establish um, a lot of, what a lot of people don't know about the Swedish chef is that um, his gift is really carpentry. He, um, uh, <laughs> he you know, I, he tries so hard as a, uh, as a as a cook as a chef and hence his name uh and he, and he always you know kind of fumbles the job a little bit um but you know it's really clear here that he's he's got a gift with wood and he just put together these little kermit and piggies and i think you know if he maybe kind of stuck to that i think i think he might have a lot more success here <laughs> you think he'd just hand carved these out of wood uh, by i think himself. i think this is his complete handiwork I, again iris is right this isn't something you can just get off the street <laughs> no it's, it's, it's yeah. custom made and who buy the swedish chef only person yeah who sure has that expertise so do you think he painted them himself too and everything absolutely well, absolutely yeah. he's he's an artist have the they swedish artist we call <laughs> swedish artist <laughs> Have they ever made commercially available Kermit and Piggy cake toppers? I, there was, I don't believe so. Yeah, that's kind of surprising. Was there like an, like a super exclusive Palisades toys cake topper? Boy, I really should have looked this there up There wasn't before. a cake topper, but I'm very sure they had like Kermit Piggy wedding variant. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm yeah. pretty sure yeah. I even... Like, I was Googling... Because, like, I've been, it, it was so strange that, you know, I'm talking about somebody's getting married and then my cousin gets married, like, this past weekend. And so, like, mm. all sorts of things, like, I'm I'm kind of, like, using pictures of Kermit and Piggy. Like, I'm searching Muppet Wedding and stuff like that and just, like, looking yeah. up imagery of that to kind of, like, use in, like, little posts here and there. And so, um, sure, sure. And so I'm, like, 90% sure I've seen that image of, like, a Kermit Piggy like figurine that that looked palisade accurate. I'm I don't know. Yeah. Um so I'm seeing in a Google search several things that look like they're just sort of handmade on Etsy where people have either made them by themselves or they've customized other little Muppet PVC figures and things uh to to make them look like they're wearing a, a wedding dress and a tuxedo. And then, uh, yes, wedding of the century Kermit and piggy action figure set was, uh, made by Palisades toys. The production of the figures was limited to 300 pieces and given away as party favors at Palisades toys, product director, Ken Lilly's wedding. 
Whoa. The Jim Henson Company gave Palisades permission to produce these figures as a wedding gift under the condition that Palisades toys never make them available for sale at retail. Wow. So it would be... I wonder why not. I feel like they would sell a bunch of those. <laughs> they would sell so many. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. They're so picky about the Kermit Piggy wedding thing. Maybe maybe there, there's like an ongoing in-company drama about like the can- canon of Kermit and Piggy's wedding. Oh, that yeah, could that, have something to do guess. with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, that's a good point. Giving the wrong impression to Muppet fans going to the store and being like, oh, Kermit and Piggy wedding set. They must be an item. I guess when, it's official. Yeah. The, when this yeah, is right, the Muppet right. when this is the Muppet Kelvin verse, Muppets Take Manhattan, where <laughs> where they start the review and Swedish Chef is a is a woodsman, of course. Right, a woodsman. Yes, Swedish woodsman. We call him. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it caused enough confusion when they announced their breakup <clears throat> before the 2015 series, where people were like, "What? They got divorced?" And I was like, "Well, no, no, they weren't actually married, or maybe they were, but it does it doesn't really matter." So yes, Kermit, Kermit and Piggy are divorced. Yes, they went Kermit to court and got a divorce. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, you all, it was one. in all the papers. <laughs> then uh, the bakery set uh, disappears to reveal a chapel. And uh, on the stage, there are some street signs that say 45th Street and Broadway. Uh, why 45th? I don't know. That's not where the Biltmore Theater is, where this uh, performance is taking place, because that's on 47th Street. Uh, among the uh, places that are on 45th Street and Broadway currently are the Minskoff Theater, which is where the Lion King uh, Broadway show is running, and also a McDonald's. So I don't know why they chose 45th and Broadway as the signs on stage, but there you have it. Um, before we move on to the next thing, I have something that I want to talk about, hopefully uh, concisely. Uh, involving my own wedding. <clears throat> so my wife, Stacy Rosen, is also a Muppet fan. She's been on this podcast multiple times. She wrote our theme song. Uh, when we got married, so once all the guests were seated, we played the recording of somebody's getting married from this movie. Uh, so it was kind of a fun thing. Like, you know, people reacting to suddenly hearing these Muppet voices saying, somebody's getting married. And then that continued to play as all of our immediate family members uh, came down the aisle for the processional and the maid of honor and the best man. And then when it transitioned into He'll Make Me Happy, it faded into, like, we faded out the recording and that's when a live piano player started playing that. So anyway, um, that was all great. And everyone was very amused to hear Muppet voices. Uh, so time goes by after the wedding, Stacy wrote to our videographer to check in on the status of our video. And he gave us an update and he said something like, okay, but I'm working on something that I'm going to send you first. And I think you're really going to like it. So we were very intrigued. We were like, huh, I wonder what that could be. And then eventually he sends us a link to download a video. And it's the whole processional with somebody's getting married, but instead of, for most of it, instead of showing inside the venue with all of our guests and our family and friends going down the aisle, he's actually showing scenes from this clip of the movie. 
like he t- he took this this sequence from the movie and edited it in to our wedding video. And then every time it shows the venue from the back looking toward the front, he has digitally inserted a screen as if there were a projector and a screen in the room and our guests were watching the movie on a but screen. But that didn't actually happen. No, there was no visual at all at our wedding. It, How we strange. Were, we were just playing the audio. Yeah, and we so we never asked for any of that, obviously. And he still had not given us the actual like edited version of our wedding at this point. This is all he gave us to start That's with. So and, weird. and he yeah, and he had prefaced it with this sort of, you know, mysterious like, I think you're gonna like what I came up with for you. So yeah, it was very strange. I don't That's weird because you could you could just watch this movie anytime you wanted to. True. And if we had wanted our guests to be watching the video clip in the room at the time we would have set up a projector and a screen and had them watching the, the video right. clip yeah, in yeah. the room at the time. But we didn't want that. So then Stacey had to very delicately say, well, this is very creative, but we would like a version that just shows the people in the room who we invited to our wedding because we want to see them <laughs> because we have already seen this movie before. So I just thought I would share that. Well, very yeah, strange. that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. So back to the actual movie, uh, the chapel appears on stage and for the first time in a while, we see the audience of Manhattan Melodies. They love it. They are going bananas for this chapel. Gosh. (laughs) Yeah. They're, they're applauding. We hear the roar of the crowd here. Uh, this is another clip we, which we mentioned many episodes ago that, uh, several, uh, like shots of this movie have been licensed for use. Like if you, this is one of those, if, if you have the money, you can pay to use this shot of the applauding crowd at Manhattan melodies in your own movie or TV show. Really? So yeah, if I can find that link again, I'll put it in the show notes for this one. Amazing. Of course it looks like it was filmed in 1984 at this point, like the film stock and everything. So um, and then, yeah, I think this is the last time that it's acknowledged that there's actually a live audience in the theater watching this on stage, right? Yeah, I, I believe that's right. And, and things are about to get, like, it's about to become either very weird or very impossible for there to be right. a live audience watching. Right, right. Well, and we also see, well, you may be just about to say this, but then we see Jenny, Pete, Ronnie Crawford and Bernard Crawford. It's true. Backstage watching. And that's the last time we see any of those guys in this movie. Also like that's. Oh yeah. Because we, because we never see the audience again. We never acknowledge that it's a play again. This is our farewell. And I, it's fascinating to me that Bernard Crawford is there, that that they brought Art Carney in to like pat Lonnie Price on the shoulders and like, well, it is good job, son. Yeah, exactly. It is nice that, that Ronnie is validated in that way. Yeah. And if this is, like, so from here on out, if this is all kind of more real, so to speak, and kind of like, it kind of transforms into a wedding proper and sort of like, we're maybe supposed to take this at face value as like a canon wedding within the Muppet Kelvin verse. Um, there, um, it, it's clear, uh, no humans were invited to the wedding, just straight up. Like, there no well, humans. Well, yeah, that's true, too. 
Yeah, when we go into the chapel, it's all Muppets. Yeah, so it's like, it's kind of lame that you just made these really good friends, and it's like, mm, nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Not even Jenny is invited, yeah. Not not even right. Pete, yeah. After all those bowls of soup and everything. Uh, there's also a split second where I'm pretty sure Ronnie and Jenny sort of, like, squeeze hands for, for just a second before it cuts away. So that may be just, like, one one remaining trace of the abandoned... Uh, sort of subplot of those two being right. an item. Yeah, that's all we need. Right. We don't need any more than that. Uh, in the March seventh, nineteen eighty three draft of the screenplay, it it specifies a few people who would be visible in the audience. In the front row, it says uh, that some of the characters from the college sequence at the beginning would be there. Those, these are characters that we don't actually see in the movie because they got cut, uh, but also. Martin Price, who would be handcuffed to a police officer, and uh, Eileen, Piggy's co-worker from Macy's, uh, although it's Bergdorf Goodman in this movie, but uh, I, I would, would, would have liked to see that. That would be fun. Um, also, because it reminds yeah. me of Pee-wee's Big Adventure, where he meets all his friends again at the end of the movie. Sees, sees all the characters, yeah. Yeah. Gives, gives, gives Simone and her French boyfriend French fries. <laughs> right, right. Just to catch another glimpse of all our pals. Uh, and then it also lists other people who are present at in, in the theater. Jerry Nelson, Dave Goals, Richard Hunt, Steve Whitmire, Jim and Jane Henson, Frank and Robin Oz, David Laser, Al Gottesman and Linda. Uh, that's Jim Henson's lawyer. Bob and Eve Bromberg. He was uh, the Henson Company CFO. Carolee Wilcox from the Henson Company Workshop. Faz Fazakis, also from the Workshop. The whole damn staff at Henson Associates and the whole movie production team and whomever the hell wants to be there. Whoa. Lovely. So funny that they list all those specific people and then they're just like, yeah, whoever, who cares? Yeah, and then they didn't even do it. <laughs> then they didn't do it. Yeah, it's just like a generic crowd. Yeah, I wonder why. It would have been so much fun to see all those, like especially for us Muppet nerds now wow. yeah, right, watching right. this to see all those people, you know, dressed right. up sitting in that Broadway theater. Right, just be like, did you guys see Callista Hendrickson? Yeah, exactly. There she is. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, for, for whatever reason, they decided not to do it. Uh, yeah, so let's see, where are we? Uh, a family of bears runs up to the chapel. Um, in a wide shot, these bears are performed like costumes, like they're moving their arms and legs, and then it cuts to a close-up where they're performed like uh, hand puppets visible from the waist mm -hmm. up, and they can move their mouths, and they sing, somebody's getting married today, and open the doors to the chapel. One of these is Bobo, right? I forgot to, net to uh, put that yeah. in my notes. Yep. Yeah. We, is, well, we, we talked about that last week, too, though. Oh, okay. But is it the one in the dress? Yes. The one in the dress is Bobo, yeah. <laughs> okay. So the future of Bobo is the bear wearing a dress. Yep. Uh, and so I think these, I, I believe, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that these same three bears are the bear family in Mr. Willoughby's Christmas tree. Oh, okay. Where they do the honeypot dance. Well, that's, I think that's the same. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Cause they had to be like full bodied in that too, to do the dance. Yeah. So, so. they were, so they were waiting for their big moment a decade later doing the yeah. honeypot dance. <laughs> the, the, the cusp, on the cusp of Mr. Willoughby's Christmas tree success, just, Right, right, right around there, the corner. They're almost there. They're almost there. They had to mm -hmm. pee their news. What year is Mr. Willoughby's Christmas tree? 1995. 
Steve Whitmire plays Kermit in it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So yeah, wow. They yeah. had to wait a whole like eleven years to a whole to decade really get their and, next moment in the spotlight. And and they got upstaged by another set of bears because all of the ads in Mr. Willoughby's Christmas Tree in its initial airing were by Nabisco's Dizzy Grizzlies <laughs> snack crackers. And when I think of watching that on VHS, I think way more about the Dizzy Grizzlies commercial. <laughs> What makes them dizzy grizzlies? What exactly is that snack? They they are like twi- they have like something on the front and back, so they're like spinning because they they have frosting on the back or oh, not on the front or nice. something. So is oh, that man. like a Teddy Grahams uh, spinoff or? Yeah, it's a Teddy Grahams. It's just like yeah. a cool Teddy Grahams. Okay. It's like the hip nineties Teddy Grahams. <laughs> <laughs> As if they weren't hip enough already. <laughs> well, we'll link to the Dizzy Grizzlies commercial in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, those man, those Teddy Grahams commercials though were so cool. Where they were like a rock band, and they were like, "Here's what all the people say: New Vanilla is here to stay." <laughs> remember that one? I don't. I remember. I'm, here uh, come those dizzy grizzly bears. I remember that one. I don't have Tony. a horse in this race. You don't have a favorite <laughs> Teddy Grahams commercial. <laughs> I didn't grow up when I was growing up. Teddy Grahams wasn't like that. Wasn't the big like when I'm thinking about like crazy trying to be hip advertising from when I was growing up. I automatically think of Apple Jacks and Cookie Crisp because mm. those ones were just too in your face aggressive in terms of like we're cool, we are very cool, <laughs> right? Well, well, because when you because when I was a kid, Cookie Crisp was like about a, a guy getting arrested for eating too much cookie crisp. Is that what he was? Like, yeah, was, like, was he stealing crisp. it or? He was like stealing cookie crisp and he got arrested. Yeah. But then like Max, when you were a kid, it was like a wolf who loves yes, cookie it was crisp a wolf. or something, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, it was a wolf. He, he was really yeah. trying to fiercely compete with like. Right. And this is like 2008 or something, right? Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> that's what and we're like, talking about. Yeah. And just very like loud and to the camera aggressive. And then, of course, the Apple Jacks are, like, surfer dudes, like, who just, like, yep. like it, it's kind of like, um, like, one of them's more cynical and one of them's, like, a stoner. And so, huh. like, and they're at odds with each other. The That's Apple, so funny. Because when are- we were a kid, the Apple Jacks commercials were like, the Apple Jacks don't taste like apples and adults don't get it. Kids love Apple Jacks, even though yeah. they don't taste like apples. Yeah, there would always be a, like a parent who would say, "Apple Jacks don't taste like apples. Why do you like them?" And like there would be a, an, like an awkward silence, and one of the kids would say, "We just do." And yeah. It's like, yeah, you well, told they, that they, clueless they, adult. They go the full like Tony Hawk Pro Skater route, where it's like we're go- like one of, and one and one of them has like a, a thick Jamaican accent, um, which wouldn't necessarily. <laughs> but also, the thing is. Uh, and I I don't know why I know this. Okay, I'm a little mini tangent here. I don't know why I know this. <laughs> They're sort of like because meme culture these days is very much about like capturing sort of like weird moments from our childhood, uh, at least for early two thousands kids. And there was something about finding there's like a weird subculture thing where they're trying to track down. Who voiced the cinnamon stick, the surfer cinnamon stick with the Jamaican accent? Huh. There is no record of this guy's, like, from what I gather, from what I've heard. <laughs> we, there's a name attached. We know the name, 
but it also sounds like a t- completely made up name as well. So like it, it, it just, this guy doesn't exist. And so we're, we, in, in terms of like the internet, the internet, some people on the internet are on the search for a non-existent, um, uh, Apple Jacks cinnamon stick guy <laughs> that like <laughs> I don't know and we know yeah. who played the apple we know who played the apple but there's zero evidence to suggest like so like I couldn't say that like you know it was insensitive because it was never like a stereotype but at the same point in time we have genuinely no clue about any of the behind the scenes huh. of any of that like it's so weird this gap that is wild well, I have not heard of that, but I love internet mysteries like that. Yeah, that's yeah, it. That's great. Yeah, thank They're... you for sharing. Thank you for enlightening us, oldsters. Yes, we're like we're so old that we don't understand why two thousands kids care about the cinnamon sticks voice. <laughs> I don't know why we care about it. I just know that we do, and that we're on. Yeah, no, we just you... do. <laughs> yeah, we just do. <laughs> Listeners uh, out there, if you can find the Apple Jacks cinnamon. <laughs> yes, if anyone listening to this podcast has any information about the voice of the Apple Jacks cinnamon stick, please. Yes, Contact please let us know. All of us. Yes. All of us. Email. A mass email. Well, please. I- I'm so. glad we went on that little detour because I felt like <laughs> this episode was just me like describing things. So that was a nice little tangent but um oh and i was gonna say should we do we assume that everyone listening to this knows what mr willoughby's christmas tree is um i don't know mr willoughby's christmas tree is the worst thing the muppets have ever started maybe (laughs) Uh, it's real close it's a so it's a christmas special from 1995 um about a man named mr willoughby played by robert Downey jr yes who is hosting a big christmas party and then he gets a Christmas tree that's too tall for the ceremony hall, so he chops off the top and throws it out the window. His butler, played by Leslie Nielsen, and his Swedish maid, played by Stockard Channing, are there also. Meanwhile, a family of bears, this family of bears, uh, pick up the top of the tree, do a honeypot dance, but it's too tall for their cave. So they chop off the top, throw it out the window, an owl picks it up. Brings it home, plays a wind chime song, but it's too tall for the tree branch that the owl is on. So yep. he jumps off the top, throws it out the window. But guess what? A family of mice have been trying to find the perfect tree, the perfect tree for this whole special. So they take the top home and they have a Merry Christmas. It takes 24 minutes for all of this to happen. Well, you know, that it was is actually so boring. It's so boring. <laughs> that was a really concise description. And yes, as you say, it does not need to take 24 minutes for all of that to happen. But yes, well done, Anthony. That was <laughs> very well told. Like, I like the way you didn't introduce the mice into the story until the very end, because that's really well, all you need. Because that they shouldn't, that's because that's like the biggest padding is that the mice family are like watching it all being like, wow, the honeypot dance is so Christmassy. Yeah. Like it's terrible. It's so bad. I, my thoughts on Mr. Willoughby's Christmas tree. I kind of completely agree and completely disagree with everything <laughs> everyone has to say about Mr. Willoughby's Christmas tree. Mr. Willoughby's Christmas tree is one of the worst things I've ever seen. And it's also like one of the best things I've ever seen. Yeah, I, oh no, it's fascinating. I watch it every I, year. I personally love, I think it's one of my favorite things that just the fact that it exists, 
the dialogue of Robert Downey Jr. that just makes zero sense. Yeah. He's just like, where can my splendiferous arboretum be? Yes, he speaks in, in big words that are often made up. And, like, that's just treated as normal, and it's just, like, really, like, like, I don't know, and, but, like, he's giving it his, he's overacting times ten in the best way like, if this was, like, a straight Muppet production or something like that, it would fit right in. But just the fact that he's kind of just doing this thing and there are Muppet things that happen, but it's kind of like everything's sort of weirdly disconnected from each other. Just yeah, makes it true. really, like, absurdly funny that, like, just Robert Downey <laughs> Jr. is just being weird. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Well, and, and, and we should say, as long as we're talking about it, uh, this, the, the, Script was written by Mitchell Kriegman, the creator of Bear in the Big Blue House. Yeah, and it was and it was directed by John Stone. Yes, the like, was, like the like lead director of Sesame yeah, Street. Yeah, essentially the showrunner of Sesame Street. So that makes it all oh, the Sesame more Street baffling for, for decades. Yeah. So like those guys really should know better, and I, I'm not sure why they didn't. But but you're it's right, a, Max. No, it it is fascinating. Like it's not. I I think everyone should see it every year. And but, the fact that Leslie <laughs> Nielsen does nothing. Like just Leslie Nielsen doesn't do anything funny. Yeah, like just stone cold eat stone cold face, eat, and it's like kind of it's a big letdown. It's a big <laughs> letdown on that one. But, but yeah, yeah, make it a Christmas tradition, but it sucks. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. Right. It's a nice idea to make a special and a a Muppet special where the theme is you know like everybody has their own holiday traditions, and that's a really nice thing, but. Yeah, I just wish they had. Uh, I wish they had done it better. <laughs> wish they had done a better job of it. So, yes. Uh, meanwhile, back in the Muppets Take Manhattan, the the bears go into the chapel. So now we are on the other side of the doors of this chapel, and we'll see this. It'll become even more obvious in a moment. But now it's impossible for the audience of Manhattan Melodies to see inside this set if in fact it is actually still a set because as we will see in a moment it seems like it's much too big to fit on the stage of the building yeah, it Theater. seems like it's just they just moved into a real church and that's where they're doing their <laughs> right exactly but for now uh the camera follows the bears a little bit down the aisle uh, but then stops because there are at least three rows of sesame street muppets and that's so exciting because in the muppet movie we had one uh, Sesame Street cameo, and that was Big Bird. In The Great Muppet Caper, we had one Sesame Street cameo, and that was Oscar the Grouch. And But in just in this shot alone, if we really look, we can see Cookie Monster, The Count, Grover, Harry, Bert, Ernie, Biff, Sully, uh, this monster named Mona, who later also was three other different characters named Frida, Juliet, and Ingrid, but at this time she was Mona. I checked on the wiki. Um, we can also see Simon Soundman, a honker, forgetful Jones, Guy Smiley, and a little bit of Telly. Did I miss anyone in this shot? You actually did miss Oscar and Grungetta. Oh, are they visible in this shot? Yeah, yeah. They're they're just well, Grungetta isn't very visible, but Oscar Grungetta is. is Oscar is turned towards Grungetta. Okay, and the back row goes Cookie Monster, Count Grover, Oscar, and Grungetta turn towards one another, ah. and then Harry. Okay. Yeah. So, so Oscar and Grungetta are talking about how crummy this wedding is or something. Oh, I'm sure. we, can't, we can't hear them, but like they are conversing. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's and, and that's great. It's a great thing they put him in the back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. right, right. But just yeah, and this is just a a, a tease of how many Muppets we're about to see. But uh, right. Ernie, well, but I, go ahead. I really do enjoy. Oh, I just like that. It's like here's the grooms. Here's the groom side, right? It's all his old friends from Sesame Street. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. They don't uh, know. They don't know that Piggy's marrying. They don't care about her. But like, they're it's Kermit's wedding. Yeah, they may it's have. Your yeah. girl. Some of them met her in passing, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, right. Well, big yeah, I mean Big Bird was on the TV show. Some of these guys were on the oh, yeah. show, you know. Yeah, Ernie and Bert uh made an appearance on Count, the Muppet show. Count yeah. was on there. Cookie Mon- M- 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 Marty Feldman episode has a bunch of you know. Right, that's Count. true. That's true. And, <laughs> and somewhere in somewhere in Sesame, I forget what sketch, I think it was a monster piece theater. Miss Piggy's picture is in the background. So Miss Piggy oh, is right. yeah. well known in the Sesame verse in a way <laughs> to warrant a framed photo. I mean, they've seen her picture on the wall at the very least. Right. Yeah. 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 When uh, I was asked to come on this show, I was given a bunch of different options of like different scenes that I might want to talk about. And I immediately jumped at the chance to talk even just a smidge about the Sesame Street Muppets here, because this is perhaps like my favorite part of the movie. Just, uh. I, I think just because I love the sheer volume of Muppets, but especially because I love this crossover element with the Sesame Street Muppets. Yeah. I just think it's super special. Like it's a special yeah. moment. Oh, yeah. It's the la- I mean, and also, I mean, we talk about how this is like, the the time where we have the most Sesame Street Muppets in a Muppet movie, you know, but this is also like the last major time we'll see a Sesame Muppet in a Muppet movie, like right in a, yeah. in a feature film, yeah, yeah, and so it's kind of just kind of this uh, crazy, you know, like, and I think about Muppets Take Manhattan in the context of those first three movies. And just seeing all the Muppets together, including Sesame, is kind of just like a big send-off of, like, this is the Jim Henson Muppet trilogy. It's like, oh, man, it's everyone's here for this. Everyone's yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think they, yeah, they must, whether it was completely intentional or not, they must have been aware of that in this sequence, this wedding sequence, that it, there was at least that, that it gives that vibe. Yeah. <laughs> So Ernie says, he, he starts to say, are they here yet? Are they here yet? Did I? And that is where this clip ends. So we'll have to wait until next week to find out what Ernie wants <laughs> to know whether he did. <laughs> are they here yet? Are they here yet? Did I leave the oven on? I don't know. He did. Uh, I have just one more note, which is uh, from the Marvel Comics adaptation of this movie. As we discussed, I think it was just last week, uh, Statler and Waldorf are briefly visible in the balcony box on stage left when the curtain goes up, but they never speak. But in the comic, there's a joke where Waldorf says, a weird bunch like that, and they're going to have a huge success. Statler says, says something about America, doesn't it? Waldorf says, yeah, let's move to Sweden. Not a bad, not a bad Statler and Waldorf joke. Yeah, it's fine. A little bit no, more esoteric, but I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so then, uh, yeah, that's that's uh, the end of this clip. Any final thoughts on this clip in particular, Max, starting with you? 
Um, this is a great clip. Uh, prime Muppet real estate, wall to wall, minute to minute Muppet <laughs> goodness. Yeah, songs, a lot happened. Songs, fun, gags, and Sesame Street. I think it's the the I would say trifecta, but I listed at least four things there. So, <laughs> right. um, it's uh, it's everything you want in a in a Muppet finale, and in um, well in a uh, especially if it's a musical number and you just have uh, a lot of g- just good kinetic energy going on it's it's exactly kind of i wish this was more of the movie that it was more mm. kind of bright and colorful and a little a little unhinged a little bit the movie is has moments of unhingedness but this is where it's like they get to be their full muppet self right and i'm not saying like you know of course the movie is uh, is a good movie for what it is. It's its own thing, but I do genuinely think that this is kind of like this movie's been kind of like this roller coaster, and now we're kind of like on the descent, to, like this sort of like rising. And I don't know, roller coaster is a bad analogy. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're in this like big, awesome, long haul, high moment, and I just love it a lot. I love. I love all of this. I don't really know what else to say other than this is like my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. And seeing Sesame Street and seeing what is to come for a wedding, a, a wedding, a canonical wedding in the Muppet Take <laughs> Manhattan Kelvin verse. What will happen? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Come back next week to, to, to see more of this wedding. Uh, Anthony, final thoughts on this clip? No, nothing else. We, we talked about all my notes. Okay. So, Max, we like to ask our guests, uh, do you recall the first time you saw this movie? What is your history with it? Where would you rank it alongside the other Muppet movies, etc.? Those are very, like... Easy and but just fun questions. I don't know that I know the exact first time I watched the movie, but um, growing up, I, I guess sort of my backstory with Muppets in general was that I always Muppets were always a part of my life in a sense. I just didn't really acknowledge them. Gr- like growing up, I had um, sort of like a a distant like aunt who was like my mom's cousin. Uh, mom's best friend or whatever who kind of we used to live near her and she kind of when I was a baby bequeathed all her Muppet VHS to me uh, I had yeah. Muppet I had Muppet movie Great Muppet Caper Muppets Take Manhattan and um and of, and I think I might have had like a DVD or two or something like that this is early 2000s and so um uh, and so I probably had those in a VHS rotation growing up, yeah. but I never, I do, I don't have any retainable memories of Muppets Take Manhattan, except I think I, I've had the memory of the very final scene where Piggy and Kermit kind of like go into the moon and all that. Sure, yeah, yeah. that that's kind of that was like a weird memory that stuck with me about Muppets growing up. I think that's like the only thing I can remember. And then there was this long gap where then I became like deathly afraid of Muppets. Um, Is that then, right? Yeah, that that's like part of the backstory. Um, then we go to Disney World. My parents kind of force me kicking and screaming to go watch Muppet Vision. And then I leave Muppet Vision 
absolutely exultant and it's like something just clicked <laughs> and it was like wait what like and just so how old, how old were you when you saw mother vision do you remember that was 2008 so that would have been i would have been nine i would have been uh, nine. okay okay and so, so so can i can i tell the first can i tell our listeners the first time that i met you yes please okay so i met you two years after that you were 11 and i was 25 and we were at the Dave Goals uh, screening at, at the St. Louis Public Library, right? Yep. Yeah. We were waiting in line to see Dave Goals introduce one of these packages of like clips, you know, and Dave's telling stories and Gonzo was there. And Roz and I are in line. And behind us is, that's right, an 11-year-old kid with an FAO Schwartz uh, Muppet Workshop puppet yes. that he brought with. Muppet whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that was Max. Uh, so you were like all in. If that was like two years after, oh, after you saw, I literally do not know what happened. But just seeing Muppet Vision just clicked in my head, and when I went home, I kind of just did as much research as I could on Muppets. That's when I sure. discovered uh, Muppet Wiki first. I was just combing through Muppet Wiki. Boy, you first. are so lucky to have grown up in the era that Muppet Wiki already existed. Yeah, uh, right, right, and um, and. I was watching what I had. I was watching stuff that would come on TV. I was searching through. That was when that was around that time of YouTube when people were getting away with full episodes of the Muppet Show on there, and I would just right, like, yeah. digest that. Um, that's when I discovered, you know, the Muppet fan sites, you know, Tough Pigs and Muppet Mindset. Um, I, I def at the time I think I was definitely more uh, of the mindset persuasion just because. I had this weird, um, and now I now Tough Pigs is like the place to be. I, I think somewhere around 2015 was like then I switched to Tough Pigs. Like, <laughs> sure, that's yeah. controversial to say, but now it's one and the same. So it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Now, now we're all now we're all a family. We're yeah. all under the yeah. same umbrella. But there was something about I think when I was younger, I, I kind of like took Tough Pigs's like Muppet fans who grew up thing really seriously, and it's like, yeah, you're I like I haven't grown up it. yet. I shouldn't be reading this. This is too adult for me. Like legitimately. I took yeah, that sure. really seriously. Yeah. And so and so. But with Muppets Take Manhattan, I think, you know, I had the VHS and so then um and I and I think we got a DVD copy of it, like uh through something. That's when I like started collecting and I got all the DVDs. I got, you know, this was pre-Blu-ray still, and so uh, I watched that. I I think I watched that a number of times. I don't think there's any notable memories, but like I just kind of idolized this movie as like a like one of the movies. Like there was there was a long period of time. Also, so weird. I don't think I had seen any post Jim Muppet movies. Uh-huh. I think I was really sticking to specifically Muppet movie and specifically. Um, and Manhattan, I don't, I can't really recall myself watching Muppet Caper uh, as much as these two. I don't know why, but I just mm. cannot. Mm. Um, even though I had it, and so I, I really watched this over and over. And I'm trying to think. And so I just worshipped this movie. And then, kind of as I grew up, I think there was sort of a thing where then I started watching all the other Muppet movies, watched stuff that was incoming, because then, you know... Muppets 2011 came out and then there was right. just more of an influx of stuff 
to deal with. And then, you know, I got more into movies in general. And so Muppets wasn't, was still a big part of my life, but slowly but surely kind of took more back burner moments in terms of my pop culture intake. And then I think, um, I watched it in like 2017 or something. It was the first time I had really rewatched it in a long time. And that was the time I watched it where I was like, huh, it's not my favorite anymore. It's not like, cause it was never my favorite Muppet movie was always my favorite, but I was like, huh, this movie is like, doesn't hold up. Like it does. It's very slow. And it's very different. It it's is just different. not hitting me the same way it used to. Hmm. There's still things that worked, but it was kind of the thing where it's like, hmm, I still love this. I still have a lot of emotional connection to it. But it's it's like, hmm. And then I rewatched it recently, and I was like, no, this is still very good. It's just not It's not my Muppet movie. It's not for me like other movies. <laughs> okay. And so that's kind of the way I sit with it now. I think as it uh, concerns a ranking system, I would say Manhattan is kind of probably like, I'm trying to think, probably like number four in my okay. in my Muppet movie tier list. I, I, I put Muppet movie first, and then I'm one of those freaks who puts Most Wanted 2. Um, no, that rules. Nice. I think yeah, that's great. That, I admire cool. that. Um, then Caper, and then I would say Manhattan. Okay. Right. Maybe even maybe even five, because sometimes I waver and put, like, Cape, uh, uh, Carol Carol in there as four. Sure. Sure. I think yeah, it yeah. just ebbs and flows. But. Oh, yeah. It might, yeah, and it might change again the next time you watch yeah. any one of these movies. So, yeah, that's what it's like to be a fan. Um, well, yeah, very good. So then with that, we will wrap things up for this week. Listeners, please make sure you check out Tough Pigs on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, all of those places. Uh, our logo is by Morgan Davey. Our theme music is by Stacy Rosen. Uh, hey, we also have a Patreon, which I am remembering to mention this time. <laughs> uh, that is a patreon.com slash tough pigs. We would very much appreciate your support. Uh, we have three different tiers uh, there where you can... You can uh, budge your support to Tough Pigs. Um, you can email us at movingrightalong at toughpigs.com and let us know what's on your mind. We're, we're just uh, almost wrapping up this movie, but maybe you have something you want to say about uh, Muppet Christmas Carol, which will be the next movie that we'll cover before too long. So you can email us uh, at that address. You can find me on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe. You can see things that I'm saying about other movies on Letterboxd at Movies Are Neat. Anthony is on Letterboxd at Zeppo Marxist. And Max, where can people find you on the internet? I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at Beakerboy12. And you can also tune in to my podcast, the Exhibition Podcast. I co-host it with my good friend Larissa Beatty. And we talk to people about, uh, you know, creative people who do like art and music and film stuff. We talk to them about where their creative inspiration comes from and their pop culture interests. And you can find that on SoundCloud and Spotify. Um, and it's got my, my quirky little face on it. And so, uh, <laughs> and, I, and on Twitter, I just talk about movies. So 
check me out. I'm, and, uh, and I'm you, a fun guy. And you got that good letterbox too, man. You should plug oh, that letterbox profile. I'm, I'm on Letterboxd as uh, the Muppet Kid, like, and I just talk about movies and i i write more essay format sort of mm. but i also it's like very stream of consciousness so it's like it is man this this sucks but also i really enjoy the subtle subtext of <laughs> huh. and so that's, that's well, you can find my opinions there the day that we're recording this you posted a review on letterboxd of big hero six that i uh i found it delightful oh, i'll wow. see that Please go search that Big Hero 6 uh, review and like it. It's a fun one. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I have, I have not seen Big Hero 6 personally, so now i got to watch the movie so that I can read your, your review of it. So You really <laughs> don't need to watch the movie to read <laughs> well, my review. Everyone else uh, should definitely seek that out. And if you don't mind, please give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts. And please tell all your friends about the show and join us again next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. Woo! Dig we must. Vegan <laughs> froggy birdie. Bill has ears. Uh, <laughs> there it is. <laughs>